This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Uh, Ed has been knowing me ever since I was in high school. I went to uh, school at Greater Atlanta Christian School with his uh, with his sons, and my mom actually worked uh, for Ed. Uh, back in Georgia. So we're excited that he's here leading us in worship. He will be leading us from now on for a while here and uh, has so graciously volunteered to to do that for us. Uh, So we're excited about that. Thankful for the uh, the LTC performance. They did an amazing job this morning. I wasn't prepared, right? That that chorus. Uh, Where's Jessica? Jessica did an amazing job with them. They are are amazing. Uh, Yeah. I, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, they were really, really good. So thank you for your effort. And everyone else who uh, played a part in making LTC special, we're, we're thankful and appreciative to you. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are indeed our honored guest and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. You caught us on a interesting Sunday. Not every Sunday is like this, but we're happy that you're here with us this morning. We're going to ask that you do us a favor. In the back of your pew, you'll see a visitor's card. If you will, take that out and fill it out. We've got a box in the foyer that you can put that card into, or I'll be standing in the back of the auditorium as you exit and hand that card to me. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Uh, Mary Vaughn gave me a task this morning. She said, Jason, you will mention the Dugan family this morning. I said, yes, ma'am, I will. Uh, we heard from the Dugan family. Uh, I guess Gary is, is on his way home pretty soon, right, uh, and is doing better, and they are appreciative and thankful for all the cards and the calls and the prayers. So wanted to make sure we mentioned that this morning so Mary didn't have my head after service. Amen. So, Talk is cheap. Would you agree? Oh, you would. Talk is cheap. Have you heard that statement before? Yeah. And if you've lived long enough, you've realized that this statement is so, so true. Have you ever had someone promise you something but didn't follow through on it? You've been there. Amen. Have you ever been sold a lemon by a used car salesman? No one here? Okay, I guess it's just me. Talk is cheap. And many of us, we go through experiences and we learn uh, because we've had some kind of rough interaction or terrible experience based off of something that we thought was going to be different, right? For example, um, if you drink McDonald's coffee, good for you, right? But I was watching this commercial, and on this McDonald's commercial, they're talking about the new McDonald's coffee that they have with all different kind of flavors. And when you watch the McDonald's commercial, that coffee looks good, doesn't it? It's spilling over the edge of the cup. Everybody with the cup of coffee is smiling. Da, 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 da. You know, they're just loving this McDonald's coffee. So I go to McDonald's, and I get a cup of McDonald's coffee, and I drank the coffee, and it tasted like dirt. If you work for McDonald's or you like McDonald's coffee, maybe you like dirt. That's okay. To each its own, right? To each its own. 
But it wasn't that great to me. But from the commercials and from all the talk, it looks like it's wonderful. But then you experience it and it's something totally different. It's not what you were expecting. Talk can be cheap. While I was a student at Harding along with uh, Chris, we played on the same football team together at Harding. Uh, I have a, a, a teammate of mine that, that I was playing ball with that asked me uh, if he could use my kinesiology book, right? All the football players and all the athletes majored in kinesiology because the football coaches taught the courses. So naturally, it was supposed to be an easy A. Anyway, my teammate asked if he can borrow my kinesiology book, which was a huge book, and I said to him, no problem, right? Because I already knew everything in my head. I didn't need those books to study all that stuff. But anyway, he took the book, and it was the end of the semester, towards the end of the semester, and it was time for us to turn our books back in. And if you've been to college, you know that at the end of the semester, it's an exciting time because you can sell back your books and keep the money, amen? So that's an exciting time. So I go up to my football buddy who told me, Jason, uh, let me borrow your book. I'll give it back to you. So I go up to his dorm room and I knock on the door and I say, hey, you know, I, I need my kinesiology book back because it's time for me to sell it back. He said to me, Jason, I don't have it. And I said, what do you mean you don't have it? He said, well, I went and sold it back and I kept the money. And I said, you did what? He said, I went and sold your book and kept the money. And I said, if I was two feet taller, boy, I would throat punch you right now. You know, he was a big guy. I couldn't do anything about it. So I said, well, I guess that's what he did. huh? Let me go find some other books to sell. <laughs> yeah, you know, people promise you things sometimes. And in this case, a guy said he was going to give me my book back. Never, never did. Talk can be cheap. We can talk like the best of them. But talk can get us into a lot of trouble if we're not careful. Talk is cheap. That statement, by definition, means that it's easy to talk about something, but harder to actually do it or carry it out. And as a preacher of the gospel, I am a professional talker. I realize that. And I realize that if my actions don't show forth what I'm talking about, my message is not effective. And the same can be said about the church. We all are very good at talking scripture and leading Bible classes and studies. But if our words don't match what we're talking about, we're not effective at all. So we have to make sure that our talk match, matches our, our actions. And like I said, that can be somewhat difficult uh, at times. First scripture that I want to look at this morning is found in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15. And if you have been keeping up with your daily Bible study readings, you're now moving into 2 Samuel, I believe, some of the Psalms, and maybe some of you are even in Chronicles right now. Just an exciting book, I know, right? So maybe some of you are there. But if you've been keeping up with your Bible study readings, you've read through this story of Samuel. And what I want to do is just give you a snapshot of, of this story in this situation here. So Samuel, Samuel's mother was a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah has a very interesting story in Scripture. Hannah was without child, if you remember the account. And every day she would go to the temple and she would bow her head in prayer and say, Lord, please help me to conceive one day. 
And if you allow me to conceive, I will dedicate my child in service to the priesthood. While Hannah was praying, there was a priest by the name of Eli there watching her. And Eli heard the situation. Lo and behold, over the course of the time, God blessed Hannah. Hannah was able to have a child. That child's name was Samuel. And the story goes that Samuel was raised by Eli. Eli had some trouble with the Lord. He got into some trouble. And you guys remember the historical account. Samuel was a minister, a priest, a prophet before the Lord. And he commissioned a guy by the name of Saul to be the first king of Israel. So you guys remember the story. You know where we are now. So Saul was this very intelligent, very handsome, very tall character, as the Bible says, But he made some mistakes in his life because he didn't follow completely what God wanted him to do. And that's where we pick up kind of in verse number uh, 22. But even before that, in verse number 20, God gave uh, Saul a mission. And the mission that Saul was supposed to carry out up in the beginning of chapter 15 was God said to Saul, I want you to go and I want you to completely destroy all the Amalekites. Every single one of them destroyed their, their, their livestock. Everything that exists with the Amalekites, I want you to destroy and do that and carry out the will that I'm calling you to carry out. The story continues on that Saul said to the Lord or to Samuel, I, I completed the task that the Lord gave me. I went and I destroyed all the Amalekites. And then we get to verse number 22, and Saul said, but I also did something else, because I thought this would be nice to do for the Lord, right? And he said, uh, what I did is I kept some of the offerings, and I kept some of the bounty or the spoilage so that I can offer it to the Lord. I believe that's verse number 20. I kept some of this stuff back so that I can offer it to the Lord, because actually I know God would be pleased with the spoilage of war and me offering these things up to him. And then Samuel was very upset with Saul, and this is what he says in verse number 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Question mark. Based on my opinion of this scripture and this text, here's what I think the Lord is communicating through Samuel to Saul. It's found on this next slide. Go to this next slide, Mike. I think this is the message here. Orthopraxy is greater than orthodoxy. Now, what I want to do is I want to define those words just briefly so that we all have a very good understanding. Orthopraxy is the right practice or right action, okay? So by definition, that's what that means. Orthodoxy is the right belief or right thought or correct teaching if you will. And in my opinion, what the Lord is saying here is that orthopraxy, right practice, is more pleasing to him than orthodoxy. And I know that's tough for us to swallow, right? We who know the scripture very well, right? It's hard to hear that. 
But in my opinion, I think the Lord is more pleased with orthopraxy than orthodoxy. And then I know where some of you guys are going right now. Well, in order to have correct orthopraxy, you've got to have right orthodoxy. I get all that. But just listen to me. Hear me out. And hopefully I can help you understand where I'm coming from this morning. But I think God is more pleased with orthopraxy than orthodoxy. What do you mean? Well, let's continue on. Let's look at this next passage of Scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. The first thing that I want to do is I want to define what orthodoxy is. By definition, orthodoxy can be defined in two different ways. One as a noun, and the second as a verb. So what I want to do is I want to define orthodoxy or right belief or right thought process, and I want to define it as a noun. And the way we define it as a noun is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith as a noun, person, place, or thing. Thing, right? Faith is a thing. It's a, something that we have in our intellect. We could believe, we understand, we believe that it is true. So faith, orthodoxy, if you will, helps us to understand that it's something that you have to grasp and realize that is true. So when we look around at the beauty of creation, our faith, our orthodoxy helps us to understand that God created all things and he is in charge and that belief is great. Belief, faith as a noun, if you will, we understand. We comprehend. We get it. That's one definition of faith or orthodoxy, if you will. The second is this, faith as an action. And it's found in the next slide. Go to the next slide, Mike. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 31 through 33. Now here we're starting to see faith in a different light, right? Verse number 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she, was welcomed, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, this is a very important one, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, and the scripture goes on. If you read Throughout Hebrews chapter 11, what we see is we see a belief that starts in understanding or comprehending that God created all things and understanding that through trust. But then we also see faith as an action because we have this belief system. This is what happens. Now, Rahab, I wonder if she would have said to the spies that came to her house that day, you know what, I believe you guys are from the Lord. I believe... You guys are from the Lord, and you'll probably conquer this town. I believe it. You can't tell me anything different. Would she have been mentioned in Scripture? I doubt it. But what she did is she acted upon her belief, and what she did was she hid the spies. And then when the people came and asked about the spies, she lowered them out of, their, out of, out of her window, right? She acted upon, so we see faith as an action here. So we see two definitions of this concept of faith. It could be a noun, it could be a verb. And I always, we say this in the army, what, what good is it to have a room full of soldiers 
that believe they can win a war. What good is it? We always say it's, it's good for nothing if you have a room full of soldiers who can believe they can win a war. That's all it is, a room full of soldiers who can believe. But what helps us win the war is when soldiers take that belief and then they put it into action. And gee, I wonder why our mission statement at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ is faith in action. That's what we're all about, church, but sometimes that could be difficult to do. Next slide. I want to further define why I think God is more pleased with orthopraxy than orthodoxy. I'm going to give you another reason why I think God is more pleased with it. Romans chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Well, what do you mean by that? What are we saying here? Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are the law for themselves. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. In this text, we see Paul commending the Gentiles who did not have the law. Why? Because their praxy was correct. They had something written on their hearts to make them believe that they had to do what they had to do. And here we see Paul commending them for their orthopraxy, even though their orthodoxy might have been a little skewed because they didn't have the law. And this is something that I want us to be mindful of and, and, and think about this morning. Orthopraxy. God wants us to put our faith in action, and not just believe for the sake of believing, because you know what the scripture says, the devils believe and tremble. So what does belief do? What does it do? It should lead us to act. And I want to say this, and this sounds tough, and I'm really speaking to myself. It's good to be in the temple, in the house of the Lord. It's good to offer sacrifice through praise. But you remember what 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, God is more pleased when we obey rather than offering up a sacrifice. You know how much time we spend out of the day in worship here at this church building? Not that much. We spend most of our time out in the world. And what we're supposed to be doing is putting what we learn here. I view the church on Sunday mornings as this big gathering where we all get infused and energized, and then we go out into the world. We're working really hard to show forth our faith through action, teaching the gospel of Christ to other people through how we live our lives. But you know what I think? I think many of us, starting with me, we don't really do that. And what we make our action about is coming to church. Right? I went to church today. I had a Bible study today. I feel great. I lifted up praise the Lord. I gave my time. That's wonderful. We did that at the temple. That's great. God is pleased with that. But what are we doing with the rest of our time during the week? And I know many of you are doing fantastic, amazing work that needs to be commended, and it also needs to be shared here at this church. We need to know what you're doing during the week, and we need to know how we can help you 
carry out the mission of the cross through your efforts during the week. But then there's many of us that we, we don't do much. We go to work, live our lives, and then how we show our faith is we say we went to church today. And I'm not quite sure that's what the Lord expects from us. I'm not quite sure that's what the Lord expects from me. He wants me to put my faith in action. Last slide, and then I'm done. I'm almost out of time here. Um, next slide, Mike. One more slide? Yeah, there we go. Um, I had a girl on uh, my uh, basketball team. I was teaching uh, Team Storm. And this girl was the smallest girl on the team. She was not a good basketball player at all. She couldn't shoot. She couldn't even lift the basket above her head to score uh, the ball. Uh, we had a game that day. She came up to me and she said, Coach Jason, I, I don't think I'm good enough to play basketball. And I said to her, you know what? You're going to score the basketball today. Mark my word. I shouldn't have said that, but I was just trying to encourage her, you know? I said, you're going to score today. Uh, during that game, we had a steal. And she actually stole the ball, dribbled the ball down the court, and she scored. But it was in the wrong basket. <laughs> she didn't know. And I acted like I didn't know, right? And the parents, they were so great because they acted like they didn't know either. We just all cheered, yeah, you know. And she felt like the MVP of the game that day. Now, she didn't understand the rules all the way. She didn't have the correct law of basketball in place, if you will, but her heart was so pure, and she worked so hard to score that basketball. That day, I was so, so pleased. I gave her two oranges, two cuties that day, just because <laughs> she was so great. All I'm saying is, when our hearts are working hard and striving to put forth action and live out our faith, God is pleased with that, even if we don't have it all figured out. Even if we don't have it all figured out. That's what counts, and that's what matters. I want to leave us with this last passage because we're out of time this morning. It's found in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. What I think the Lord here is doing is he's kind of uh, spelling out this idea of orthopraxy and orthodoxy here. And what happens when we're able to put them together, it's a powerful thing. So we all know this passage uh, very well. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes, orthodoxy, whoever has the correct belief and is, orthopraxy, baptized, shall be saved. Throughout Scripture, we always see this. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy, when they're put together, it leads to salvation. It doesn't lead to anything else. It leads to salvation, and it leads to growth. That's what happens. That's all that happens. When you have the correct belief and you apply it and you are baptized, what we see is we see uh, salvation. And all I'm communicating to you this morning, church, is that we have the right belief. We have the right orthodoxy. We've got to make sure we're putting it into practice. And when we put it into practice, you will see fruit. There's only one outcome. And we might be saying, well, we're not seeing much fruit. Maybe it's because we aren't practice, practicing it the way we should. Maybe because we're not, putting it, we're not putting it into action the way we should. So this morning, I just want to leave you with that thought and that idea. I know we're really, really concerned, especially in our fellowship, the Churches of Christ, about having our orthodoxy correct to a T. 
We're known for that. And I appreciate that because I think that's spot on. But I want you to remember the slide that we put up, the second slide we put up. I think God is more pleased with orthopraxy than just simply having all of our orthodoxy correct. And if we can remember that, church, I think God will use us in tremendous ways to spread the borders of the kingdom by how we live our lives. Let's not cheapen the message by saying we can't move because our orthodoxy is not correct. Let's not put boundaries and borders where we shouldn't put them. But let's live out our faith through correct orthopraxy. And I think if we do that, what we see here is that many people will believe and be saved. And there's no excuse for not sharing the gospel message with others. So this morning, by way of invitation, what does faith in action mean to you? And I love our mission statement at this church. I don't think it's by chance. I think we really try to live this out. What does faith in action mean to you? Does it mean simply coming to church like it's meant to me for so long? I remember when I was younger, I would think, you know, if I went to church, I did something powerful for the Lord that day. And that's an elementary way of thinking about faith, and there's nothing wrong with that. But over the course of time, you grow up and you mature and you realize that it's not all about just two hours on Sunday morning. It's about the rest of the time you spend outside of the church. And when we grow up into that, we, 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 we realize that. So here at this church, we say we work hard to put our faith in action. So this morning, I hope that you receive some energy. You got a shot in the arm. And this week, you're going to say, I'm going to make some big changes. I'm going to make some big changes in the world through sharing my faith with other people. And I think that's what God wants from us. And hopefully this morning, you're ready to take on that challenge. By way of invitation this morning, if you are not a Christian, I'm going to ask you the question, why not? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you ought to come up and you ought to be baptized today. I know some people that say, you know what, I believe in God. And I even believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And the thing that I would say to you next is, where's your orthopraxy? Come up and be baptized in water today and see what that doesn't do to the trajectory of your life. And maybe there's some here this morning that when it comes to orthopraxy, we've just been kind of straddling the fence and sitting back on the wayside just a little bit, not doing everything that we could be doing to show forth our faith. I've been in that situation, and I know you have too. God wants us to put our faith in action. He wants us to share the gospel message with other people. He wants us to come here and be energized and then take that message out. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've been guilty of not really following that and messing up and not doing everything that you can do, starts with me, right? This invitation is for you as well. Whatever your needs or concerns are, we have a song of invitation selected. During that time, we're going to ask you to come. You can come forward and the church will pray with you and pray for you. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing song?